0: All right. Well, welcome to another expert interview as always really excited and always thankful. Please go below the video, like subscribe, make sure you're staying tuned. We have a lot of content coming out, also a plug for all the social channels, head over to TikTok. That's where the highlight videos go. And then all the social platforms. I start sharing those my handles at VP size more on pretty much every platform, or you could just Google Devin size more. Uh, let's jump right into it. Today's guest, Chuck Cooper, Chuck, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell everyone who you are and what you do.
1: Great. It's good to be with you today, Devin. So, I'm, uh, for the listeners, I'm Chuck Cooper. My company that I founded a couple of years ago is Whitewater Consulting. And we are essentially a business consulting practice that really specializes in HR for small and mid sized companies. And one of the, the main reasons that I started the, uh, the business in 2019 was the fact that you know, so many times as, as an entrepreneur, Uh, You all open up and you start your business and you've got a passion for a product or service or a a need within the market that you want to fill. But when you start hiring employees, you know, the reality is it's a whole different, it's really a second business that you have started at that point. And so what I've found is most entrepreneurs are really passionate about driving their business and growing revenues and, and really, you know, maximizing profitability, what we do, we get to come alongside our clients and really work closely with them where we manage a lot of the, the employment laws and the employment compliance piece and really help secure that part for. So it's really a great partnership. And it's just something that I've been passionate about for probably 20, 25 years now, as I grew up in a, uh, a family owned business and still am uh, involved in, in ownership of about three different companies today.
0: Love it. Well, Chuck, I know you're a busy man, so thank you for making time. I know our first conversation, we were introduced from someone in the PEO space, which is awesome, and I love that kind of outsourced model, but I loved our conversation about there's so many ways you can handle employees in HR, and and you're right, the whole kind of e-myth mentality of, like, I'm going to start a business, it'll be great. Yeah, but there's a lot of things you need to know, whether it's finances or people management or, like, there's so many things that we're not experts at, Like We're good at whatever we're doing, like, the baker's good at baking, so great analogy there so what's what's trending in your space there's a lot of hot topics when it comes to employees right now what what are some things you're seeing that are trending
1: so right now I mean when you look at everything that's happened since the pandemic the reality is there's been so much that has changed with when it comes to the, the way that we deal with people and everything that's people related within our company so when you look at today there's a major uh, war for talent so we see in the media all the time it's a great resignation. And the reality is, I think a lot of people have had the opportunity to really kind of reflect on their lives and really try to reprioritize kind of where they want their life to go after the pandemic. And so from that, you know, a lot of business owners are really focused today on how to, what's the best strategy or what do we need to do differently today to be able to attract and to retain our high performing or high quality employees. And then second is really about the culture of the organization and how we d- go about extending our company culture to our remote work- working employees, because remote work is you know, probably a third leg to that stool where we're trying to decide, do we bring everybody back to the office? Do we stay remote or do we do some kind of a hybrid model, which one's going to be best for us and for our people?
0: Yes, Yes and yes. <laughs> but I mean, it's the reality, right? There's so many ways. Let's jump into both of those. I think both of those are very relevant topics. And it's good to hear that that's what you're seeing. Like we were talking about right before we hopped on, I just came from a board meeting at a community college. And it was interesting because those are the topics there too, right? They're struggling to recruit staff. Meanwhile, they're educating future generations and reskilling them for career uh, changes. So there's a whole lot of conversations there too. So Let's talk about attracting good employees. You know, there, there's it's an employee market right now. So if I'm trying to recruit good talent, what do I have to do different?
1: I think one of the first things we have to do from a mindset, from a leadership mindset, is we have to change it from seeing our people as a line item on a financial statement and start to really recognize them as being an asset. And in most cases, your most valuable asset you have as a company and so what that means is we've got to be able to really shift away from the hierarchy mode of being sitting in our in our at the top of the pyramid and giving orders and instructions and really kind of come down into more almost of a community style relationship so that we get to know our people we get to know them even on a personal level but i think that when you when we start to focus on people we have to focus on things that are, like trust we have to focus on being empathetic. We have to focus on uh, really being able to be transparent with our people. And from that trust and those relationships, then we're starting to see the connection and the people starting to really work together to where you take that and you build that community and you start moving everybody along toward a common goal, to which is the, the mission and the vision of your organization and you start to see those people starting to perform at a higher level so your employee engagement goes up their their fulfillment personally goes up and at the end of the day the the financial results of the company goes up man there's a there's a lot of statements just in that we could unpack right <laughs>
0: but but i i love that i love your your explanation because it's so true right i think that You know, I've always loved leading it with my team and alongside my team. I've always agreed that you should hire people that are better than you at whatever you're hiring them for. Right. And if you do that, it kind of forces you to have that collaborative mindset. Right. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's huge. Is there something I can change in my job description or how I'm moving someone through the interview process that makes them understand I am empathetic, maybe I am family focused. Like, how do I change that, that dialogue during the hiring process to let them know I'm that we might be a fit?
1: And I think that's, again, this is coming back to one of the changes we're seeing in leadership, that I think that, that the leader of the organization, whether they're the business owner or whether they're the CEO, they need to be involved in that, um, in that interview process to really spend some time with the candidate or particularly the, your final candidates to communicate to them what your company culture is and to really give them a sense of who you are as a person as well, because at the end of the day, we can put um, our values of our organization, we can put our mission statement up on the wall, and that that doesn't really mean a lot. Most people today, we're looking at how well, so these are your values, how well are you really carrying that out, living that out on a day-to-day basis? And so I think from a leadership standpoint, that's something that we have to own and we have to be directly involved in today talking about the importance of people, talking about the importance of the team and really putting others over self.
0: I love that. So if we talk about, you know, recruiting talent might be a little bit harder at this point, right? And we have to kind of shift our perception on team. There's a dollar sign that seems to be inherent with that, right? Whether it's more benefits, whether it is more, more salary. I mean, what's the back-end conversation if you look at the financials? <laughs>
1: That is a great question. So just to just to help illustrate that, um, a couple of weeks ago, I got a phone call and had a conversation with a with a, a CEO of the company, and we were talking about everything that he was hearing that needed to be changed as it relates to people. And he said, Chuck, here's my issue. I need I know that I need to pay my people more. I know the benefit costs are going up. I know that I need to change the culture and we need to revamp all of our policies and procedures. I'm trying to run a company today and trying to keep it profitable. So where do I start? And I think and again it goes back to as a business owner, particularly as a small to mid-sized business owner, you can only really afford to do so much. You can't do everything in, in one bite. And so I think we have to really look at and have conversations today around the topic, you know, those different topics that need to be revisited and put together a plan or a strategy on what we're going to do really over the next 30 days to the next six months, the next 12 months. And let's take this in smaller sections rather than trying to change everything at once. Because I personally believe that when it comes to remote work and the hybrid models, that this is going to be something that the companies are going to try for a while and they're going to put some new policies and procedures in place, but it's going to become very, very fluid over the next six to 12 months. So there's going to be changes that are going to need to be made from the employee perspective, as well as from the employer role. So I think it's just, that's, I think that's really probably the key piece to trying to decide what do I need to change and what's that cost going to be.
0: I love that. And, and, yeah. I mean, it, it is overwhelming, right? Like if you look at the whole thing and you're looking at it's a $50,000 per head increase or whatever, you know, pick a number, right? Like it's a lot, but if you just start looking at like, what can I do today to start positioning our company to be better? You know, I think that's amazing. One of the conversations at the last conference I was at was kind of this idea of, you know, exponential organizations, exponential thinking, exponential change, and then it's all happening so much faster now. And I think, you know, the pandemic forced some of this, right? Like, Right. Technology was going to lead us to a work from home hybrid model at some point. Right. We were already trending that way. People want to travel. People want to be with their family. And I think the pandemic forced it. Right. So instead of this idea of like, hey, we have 10 years to transition, now you might have six months to come up with a policy. So exactly. You know, I think two really good pieces of advice. One, you know, the reason why we do these interviews is there are resources that can help, right? So this is not something you have to do yourself whether it's Chuck, whether it's another business owner, whether it's an outsourced HR company, which we'll get into in a second, you know, there are resources that can help you as the business
1: owner navigate these conversations. Exactly. And, and and I think that's that's a very, very valid and a great point to make, Devin, is the fact that you don't, as a business owner, you don't have to make those changes on your own. I've had a couple of companies that I've talked to recently that they didn't have a lot of the outside resources or the ability to be able to bring people in. So what we ended up doing with them was we actually ended up taking their leadership team, pulling in a couple of their managers, as well as a couple of their employees to form almost a a committee. And so they're using that committee to really uh, brainstorm and to bounce ideas off of this group. And they're getting different perspectives from different levels of the organization. And the employees feel like now we're being heard. So they're very, very engaged in this process. Managers are figuring out, you know, things have changed. We're going to have to really probably develop some of our skills to be able to lead effectively as we move forward. And management's getting just an overwhelming amount of of insight that they were not getting originally. And it's really helping them really lay out a path for how they're going to move their, their team forward by bringing everybody together.
0: I love that. And that's, that's gotta be the third or fourth time we've already mentioned collaboration, right? And this kind of unified effort. And I think that's the, the point, right? Is if our, if our employees are true team members, why are we not bringing them alongside for the conversation, right? What do they actually want? Because I may have an idea or a news headline that tells me what I think you want, but why not go have a conversation? So that's such a practical example that like, if you have a company, maybe that's something you could look at that you could actually implement. Like, can you bring all the levels together into some sort of conversation and use that as, as you know, guiding your new true north. So great example and, and very practical.
1: Yeah, I love it. I really, again, it's something that it's not costing the company any money to do that. And because they're not having to bring people from the outside into their company. And it really is building, you know, internal relationships that are. it's not only helping impact the company, but it's developing good personal relationships as well.
0: That's awesome. So let's talk work from home. That was the other thing you talked about trending. And, you know, I, I think it's a really interesting conversation. You know, when I had my marketing agency, we shut the office and went hundred percent remote. So we forced it. Right. But when you looked at the overhead, we were spending, you know, about 60,000 a year for an office and the thing, the overhead that comes with an office, right. Internet, things like that. And when you eliminate that, it allowed us to scale the company and provide more resources to the team as well. So that was why we did it. But there was obviously some communication things and and a lot of barriers there. So what are one or two, three things when it comes to that work from home mentality that you're talking to businesses about to keep that culture up?
1: So it's really, again, that we've mentioned this several times already, and that it comes back to communication. What we're finding, studies are showing that those employees that are working from home or working remote are really three times more engaged than employees that are working in the office. And that is true as long as there is good uh, quality uh, conversations that are taking place on a weekly basis between that remote employee and their managers. So the, the fact is, that as a manager, not only are we checking in to see how things are going, but we're also doing some coaching along the way. We're also you know, helping measure the productivity as we move along. And then also we're, doing, we're building some personal time in there to where we can kind of really get to know what's going on with that employee at the, at a really at, at their home level. Because what we're finding is a lot of times there are issues that they're dealing with Sometimes people aren't wired to work remote, but they're they they need to be able to work remote. So they're feeling either isolated or they're feeling, you know, lonely. They're not having those personal connections. And so there's ways that again from the communication that we can really tie that in to help make help the employees bring the best version of themselves to work every day. Such
0: like, good advice. Yeah. And yeah, I was going to say one thing that kind of resonates with that in a conversation I've had a lot recently is, and I always talk to businesses about KPIs. I think it's critical that if we're going to manage and lead or hold anyone responsible, we hold them responsible to something that's tangible and trackable so that we eliminate the emotion from the conversation. And I think that when you go remote, it's even more critical because there's a perception that maybe they're not working as hard because you can't see them clock in and clock out, or you're not physically seeing them in an office so you have to really understand how are you going to gauge productivity. So yes. I, I love that you brought that up. It resonates with all the conversations I'm having right now, too. And, and that's something that has to happen in an office environment anyways. But I think if you go remote, it just stresses it.
1: I think that you have two things from that, Devin. One is from a performance review standpoint, rather than doing annual reviews, I think there's a, there's a major shift right now taking place to where we just need to be having constant communication, constant conversations with our team and giving them feedback, both positive as well as the negative side of you know, those communications as well. But just do that along the way, because I know if, I can't tell you the number of times over the years, I felt like I didn't know for sure whether I was meeting expectations or not. Am I doing well or am I not? I just need somebody to give me some type of, of feedback. And so if we're doing that today on an ongoing basis, on a weekly basis, I think it takes a lot of that, that mental anxiety out of play and really gives us the confidence, again, to be able to work more effectively, more efficiently, and at the end of the day, be more productive.
0: Yeah. And, and that w- that's a win-win for everybody. And that's what you mentioned, right? That as an employee, if that's something you're, the environment you're in, you will feel satisfaction because at least you understand what you're working towards and you understand where you're at. And as an employer, you understand what your team's producing. So I love that. The idea of working from home is, or even self-employment in general, right? Like there's an accountability level that comes with that. There is an emotional separation between work and home that you have to work through. There's time barriers where you need to like have a set space where you can work. There's family dynamics where the kids are banging on the door. Like the, the work from home environment does have its own complexity, so what are some tips or tricks for that employee who's in that environment or, or transitioning? And like, what are some things they're gonna to need to be aware of or do you have recommendations for how they keep their energy up or, or what
1: are some tips? So I think one of the things that we found is by working remote is you have a lot more control over your, your schedule on a day-to-day basis. And so a couple of things to keep in mind is, one is I, so many people have told me, it's just great to be able to schedule b- technology breaks throughout the day. To be able to just get up from my desk and go outside and just go for a five minute or 10 minute walk and to be able to come back and and that helps really keep them keep their energy level up and gives them some clarity from a thought process as well so i think that's one but two um, being able to have um, set uh, pretty much set hours on when you're going to be in the office and really have that space for example in my house uh, my my family knows when my doors are closed. They know that I'm at work. If I'm got open, you know, availability, or if I'm not working, then I open those doors up. So it, it communicates to the family what's going on and what my situation is. So I think those are some things you know really to keep in mind. I think the other thing is when it comes to uh, really just the priorities. You know, you, we're trying to work from home. We're in a lot of cases we're educating our kids from home, and we're trying to live there too. So being able to have some type of a routine and be able to give yourself some grace from time to time to know that things aren't going to go exactly perfect. And to be able to invest that time if you can with with family, I think that's one of the great advantages that come from working remote.
0: Well, again, so much good content. And, and I love that you talked about the tech breaks, because in a work environment, we do those naturally, right? We naturally go to the bathroom, we naturally grab a snack, we naturally go refill our coffee, we naturally are going to stop in the door of our coworker and say, hi, like all that kind of happens. But when you're at home, especially in an isolation, maybe your whole family leaves the house or your kids are at school for the day. It's pretty easy to just put your head down and plow through. You have to give yourself grace to get a snack break. Like I purposely downsized my water bottle to force me to walk downstairs. Like I am I mean, literally, like I got a smaller water bottle, so I know when it's empty, like, okay, cool, take a break, go fill it back up, and at least I'm going to walk down the stairs, walk back up the stairs, it's five minutes, <laughs> but you have to, right, because when you're in it, you're in it, and you just want to grind through, which is
1: awesome. That is, then that is one of my biggest, personally, that's one of my biggest challenges, is if if my wife is not here when five thirty comes, I'll, I'll still be here at eight o'clock at night. But she, so she has permission in my house to come open my doors at five thirty if I'm not out. So and I You're think like, you hey, gotta... no, Chuck, time out, bud. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So well, and I I, I, I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, well, and I like that idea too. And this is something we've had to talk about. I know, you know, when my spouse was, she, you know, she worked a seventeen year career and then started her own business and. We transition we bought the new house we moved her her work studio to the house and it was interesting because when the kids were at home we had to really work through that dynamic of explaining like hey when i'm in the garage and the door is closed like if you need something you need to text me like i'm at work you, right. don't, you don't you can't just walk in and ask me 17 questions today like you got to text me and when i'm on a break i will communicate back with you as if i'm not here and if we don't protect that boundaries, that's where inefficiency definitely creeps up and it becomes unmotivating because then how do you even get
1: into a rhythm? Exactly. I, I, and I think the other thing with regard to the rhythms is I think, again, setting those hard boundaries, especially when you're going to start the day, but just as importantly, when, you, when you're going to end the day. And I've, I keep talking with my clients right now that they need to be respectful of their people's time. Don't be sending emails at eight o'clock at night. Don't be calling them at nine o'clock at night, asking them questions. You, we we have the capability today to really be able to schedule when we want emails to be sent. I mean, be respectful of your employees, send those emails and schedule them to be sent the next morning at seven o'clock or eight o'clock when they're going to be on, you know, when they're going to be working. So I think we've got to be respectful of that because the tendency before the pandemic was we were always on 24 seven. If an email came in at midnight, we had to go respond to it right then. And that's just the way we've been trained. And I think we've got to, from a mental health standpoint, we've got to break ourselves away from that and really afford ourselves to be able to have some of that downtime and, and break from our work and from the technology. So my, my, my policy is, is I leave my cell phone in my office You know, after seven o'clock at night, whatever comes in afterwards, it gets dealt with the next morning.
0: Guess what? It'll still be there,
1: right? Well, exactly. All
0: all the entrepreneurs I'm working with, especially when you're new, when you're a newer entrepreneur, you know, I I think it's real. Like, this is something you're going to struggle with. And it's the same with becoming an at home employee because it's still an entrepreneur mindset, right? How you clock in, how you clock out, holding yourself accountable, creating breaks. All of these things are the things that entrepreneurs have had to deal with. But now we're asking a huge part of the population to to deal with these things. So I love all these conversations because they're so real and they're healthy. Like they're healthy conversations. They're things we have to look at. So let's talk about uh, outsourcing HR versus in-house versus PEO versus whatever. When a business is growing and they're adding employees, what are their options when it comes to having a partner hiring? Like, what can they do? What's available in the market? I guess, give us the rundown of what they can do.
1: Yeah, I really think for the most part, Devin, that really comes down to really a couple of different models that, you know, that the business owners can look at when they have those needs. And I think one of those is to be able to, you know, essentially to hire an HR manager, and hire a person responsible for building out the the HR infrastructure in your organization, and I think that there there's definitely organizations that that's a really good fit for. The other model that we talk a lot about is you know from an HR outsourcing is really looking at a PEO, which is a professional employer organization, and a PEO for the, for the listeners is basically an organization that comes alongside of the business owner and really serves as their HR outsource their HR department. So in, in essence they, they provide the payroll service, they provide um, benefits in many cases the workers comp, you know the HR compliance. So they handle the people side of the operation. And I think that in in a lot of cases that model is is a really really good model for companies that are particularly companies that have between 10 employees and 100 employees. And the reality is in the US today, I think there's probably somewhere in the area four hundred and fifty to five hundred PEOs in the US today. And so the the challenge can be is which PEO is really the right fit for my company and who can you know who can I partner the best with. And I think that's one of the areas that you know that we do a lot of work in is really come alongside our clients and just help evaluate what their needs are as, as an organization. And then help them prioritize those needs and then determine whether or not they want to outsource that and pay a, you know, a fee per employee per month for it. Or do they want to hire one or two people and build out an HR team? And so those are really the two key models that that, that we really focus in on.
0: Perfect. And I appreciate that overview because as a business owner, I mean, this is part of the the business that is critical, mission critical. There's a lot of legal pieces in here that have to be done right and it's your biggest asset and resource of people. So we have to make sure they're being handled correctly. But I think that, you know, kind of looking at some of the things you said, Chuck, I think that, you know, one thing is as an organization, you have to understand where you're trying to go, right? Are we creating a lifestyle business? Do we plan on scaling up to two, 300 employees? Are we going to have multiple locations? How many states are we going to be in? Like you need to have some visibility to the future and kind of pick your head up for a moment and really look at, hey, that business plan I started with, is it relevant? where have I changed and where am I going? And then I love what you talked about. Let's prioritize what you're looking for. Are you looking for help on the recruiting side? Because maybe then you just work with a recruiting agency or a temp agency. If you just need temp to help with seasonality, there's resources for that. Or Do you need help with compliance and your handbook and your policies and safety and comp and benefits? And there's a lot of pieces here, right? So which of these is actually important to your organization and what priority? And then to your point, there's so many resources you could partner with. But I think if you come into it with an idea before you make the decision of here's where I think my organization's heading, here's where I see challenges and roadblocks, and here's my priority of things I need to solve, it'll help you do due diligence as you're you're going through that kind of either bringing someone in, you damn sure better do that, right? Or partnering with a company. So I, I love all of that. And and I don't think there's one unified answer. I think, you know, that's so hyper-specific on a business-by-business basis.
1: It really is. And that's one of the things that, it's been really interesting that you, that you mentioned that point, Devin. And that is that I think so much before the pandemic hit, a lot of times, whether we were managing employees or just trying to make decisions for our business, we were trying to use a one-size-fits-all you know, for that decision-making process. And the reality is, is, as we've come through the pandemic, we're starting to see from a leadership perspective, everybody's starting to look at this more as a one-on-one. And I think the same thing applies to whether you use an, an outsource HR solution or if you do it in-house, every company is unique and everybody's got their own set of uh, you know challenges or priorities. And so the model can fluctuate back and forth in a lot of cases, we see companies outsource their HR just for a couple of years to get that solid HR foundation built. And then at that point, then they break away and then they bring somebody in to really kind of manage what they've built to move forward. And so again, from an economic standpoint and from a budget standpoint, those are things you have to build into your decision making process.
0: I love that. And, and I remember in our first conversation, something I'm always talked to people about is, you know, your vendor management shouldn't be a set it and forget it model. And I don't care what product or service this is in your business. If you're spending money on it, you better be looking at it at least annually. And when I say look at it, I mean you need to reevaluate: where's your business? Where are you going? What are they providing? Are they providing what you're paying for? What are you actually paying? I don't want to get too much in the weeds, but in the in the outsourced world's PO, yes. and even even in the temp world, if you're doing using temp labor, there you got to really get into the details. Like, what am I paying for? What are the actual fees? what are the tax rates? What are my insurance rates? Like you need to know these things because should you want to compare bringing it in house, you're going to need to be able to compare and understand your, your cost, your, your true cost, which taxes are taxes. Like there's pieces of that that are just set, but I think half the expert interviews I've done, I'm just going to keep banging the drum, right? You have to evaluate your vendors annually at a minimum, even if they're friends, even if they're people that you've done business with forever, you have to take the time to look at what are you paying? What are you getting? Is it still relevant? And should you pay?
1: Yeah, I think that's to be, taking the time to reevaluate your, your relationships is really, really critical. Um, I've just had a client about last year in 2020 at the, before the pandemic hit, and they had been with you know a large PEO for you know about three years. They'd not reevaluated at that point. And, you know, the reality was we went through and, and helped them with that process, conducted uh, interviews with about five different PEOs, and actually narrowed that narrowed that scope down to really the final two. And then we did um, interviews directly with the companies. At the end of the day, the company, they're saving over 200 grand a year. you know, And it's simply, it simply really was just a change in providers, all it was. The benefits that they were getting is really still top-notch. The services and the breadth of services is still the same. In fact, it's probably enhanced. But the reality was they were totally surprised at how much they were actually overpaying this other you know, other provider that they were working with. And so to, from a business perspective, yeah, relationships and personal relationships are great. But at the end of the day, it's all about you know taking care of our people and making money. Well, and yeah, yeah. I
0: mean, to to your point, business is business, right? And I encourage, you know, I I love, I've seen a lot of videos go up lately, right? If my friend has a blank, I'm gonna support him. If my friend has a blank, I'm gonna support right. If they have a cafe, I get coffee from them. If they have an insurance agency, I buy my insurance from, that's great, do it. But you always have to evaluate what you're spending, what you're getting, and does it still make sense? Because as your business grows or adapts, you may outscale that relationship because. You know, even in the outsource model, I know all these different agencies specialize in different sizes, different industries, different product types. Some are great at multi state, some aren't. And Chuck, I love that you're a resource for that. So, guys, I mean, let's make it very clear. If this is a conversation you're struggling with, Chuck can help, right? He, this is his core business model is helping you navigate these conversations and look at, you know, is this the right fit for my business? Am I missing something? Are there fees I don't understand? You know, so, I just love that you you give that example. I mean, obviously it's huge savings, but it's nice that they ended up in a place that they're confident with, they're comfortable with and they had a non-partial party involved, right? Because you're not you're not vested in one, you're vested in whatever helps the business.
1: I I I I I work on behalf of the of the client uh, and serve on their behalf and that's really you know, our mission Devin as as an organization is really to help serve and support it's really our clients, which are small and mid-sized businesses. But at the end of the day, our real mission is providing uh, clarity and peace of mind to our clients through HR solutions. So, I think that's really where we can we take that obje- that objective, you know, viewpoint and really help our clients really understand and help educate them on what their options are, what every you know positive and and also what every negative situation could mean for them. And then we help, you know, help them work through that process of deciding which model and which company is going to be best for them.
0: I love that. I love that you share your kind of, I've heard a lot of this whole kind of concept of the massive, you know, the massive purpose or your mission statement or your value proposition or whatever it is. And like you, you're always attuned to yours every time we talk, even through this whole conversation. And I love that because it's like, this is who we are and this is what we're going to stick to. So that's great. So I, we could talk about this stuff all day. I want to respect your time. So let's ask the, the last two questions. So what's something that you you recommend for, for reading or a podcast that you find really interesting right now? What's a go-to for you?
1: So I think from a, from a book standpoint, one of the best books I've read recently is, is actually titled Remote Work. And the, um, the the author is Chris Dyer. And he's actually got a podcast as well. But I highly recommend his book, he, he and his um, co-author have both uh, started and continue to operate remote businesses today. And so they lay out basically the strategies and the process and, and really give you a lot of application in the book as to how you go about building a remote business and how you go about developing that culture for, for those teams. And so I really, I think that's something that I've been, been a huge fan of over the last couple of months. And then- there's a another book uh, called the the uh, Deb Coviello is the author and the book is like the CEO Compass. I think those are probably two of the, my favorite books that I've read here recently. I've got a copy of it around here. I was going to just uh, <laughs> grab a copy, but I can't find it right off the top. So, but I think that those are you know two high, that I would highly recommend.
0: And they definitely relate to our conversation, right? They're things that I, I can tell you you're. you're you're retooling your skill set to make sure that you're honing your skills to align with your clients. And, and it's awesome that those are your recommendations. So love that. I,
1: yeah. I don't know about you, Devin, these, these issues we're talking about and the businesses they're facing today, these aren't short-term situations. These are going to be things that we're going to continue to deal with for, for the next you know years, not just a few months.
0: No, it's, it, this is a, if you think it's a temporary change, I think that's where you need to start getting real first. Right? <laughs> your, your, first your first action item is like, mm-hmm. let's go ahead and swallow the pill and understand that like there's some fundamental shifts and this is the, this whole conversation is part of it. Absolutely. absolutely. It. So let's talk about your professional journey or your business journey. What's something that either you would do different or you wish you'd learned earlier?
1: So I've, I've I've experienced over my years I've experienced the uh, the thrill of the victory as well as the agony of defeat and when I think back for me the greatest learning experience comes from the agony of defeat. So the one thing that I would that I recommend and I wish that I would have had in place years ago was I wish I would have had a mentor or had a coach or an accountability partner however you want to describe them had people like that in my life that I could talk with and use to as a sounding board, because if I would have had that, it would have, it would have provided me the guardrails that I needed to keep me from go, driving a, a company that we owned, driving that off the cliff. So I think that's, you know, for me is something that I can't stress hard enough to my clients is you've got to have people like that, that you, that you trust and that you're willing to uh, you know, be, be really uh, transparent with. And you've got to be willing to be coachable as you go through that.
0: Yes. I mean, I happen to be in that industry. So yes. But yes, right. Like it's the same for my story. That's the number one thing I tell people is, you know, having a mentor is incredibly important mm-hmm. in all areas of your life, right? I think specifically we're talking business here, but I mean, I think you can have mentorship financially, you can have mentorship relationally. There you can have mentors in, in accountability partners in different sectors of your life. But I think if you're gonna do this journey of business, then you're gonna need someone that you know the times are gonna to get tough, right? And I love those charts where it's like success, and it's like no real success, right? And it's like the swiggly line with the boat and the guy's mountain climbing, and like that's that's the reality of it, right?
1: It is, <laughs> and and that is really you know whenever when I looked at starting Whitewater Consulting, you know, the, just real quick the backstory on that was I was in a canoe with another gentleman. There was four of us, two canoes in Canada for three weeks straight, uh, going through the lakes and the river system in uh, Manitoba. Did not see a person for three weeks. We're going through what we thought were gonna be two sets of rapids. We go through the first set, it's perfectly fine. We're approaching what we think is the second set of rapids and realize it's actually a waterfall. And so the guide, the the two of us in the first canoe, we are scrambling like crazy to get out of the current to to try to get to safety. We are losing the battle, and all of a sudden we hear a guy that's in the second canoe giving both of us very, very specific instructions on what each of us needed to do. And in a matter of about two minutes, we were able to get out of the current and get to sh- get to shore. So the things that I took away from that is being able to have that coach that's had real life experience is critically important. But even if you have that experience, being able to communicate that in a way that is confident, is concise. And the people can really understand is really important as well. And so that's ultimately what I wanted to be able to do is to use my experience uh, over the years of operating small businesses and be able to help my clients navigate the, the waters of employment. And so that's really where our heart and our, and our passion is as we, as we serve you know, our small to mid-sized companies.
0: What did you know I was going to ask you the question or what? I didn't give you a question. I did not know. But I had to. I was going to end with, hey, I have to know. Give me the quick story because <laughs> I knew there was a cool story to the name. So I, I'm so glad that you shared that because that's a great analogy, too. And I mean, that's life or death. And, and in the employee and <laughs> employment world, there's a lot of water.
1: <laughs> we, do, we do not as a small business owner, we do not know what we're going to be faced with when we walk in the door to our business every day. And so there's a lot of unexpected turbulence and whitewater that we, we face. And again, I just want to help be that guide or that navigator, you know, to get them through those difficult times.
0: That's awesome. Chuck. Well, I appreciate your time, man. Below this video guys, uh, or wherever you're seeing this, just know that you can connect with Chuck. I'll tag them in every platform we're on, go below the video, go on YouTube. There's so much good content in here. I know Chuck is accessible. So am I, if you have questions about any of this stuff, just let us know. We'd be happy to connect with you. Uh, Chuck. Thanks again, man. I really appreciate you.
1: It's been great. I really enjoyed it.